Hello and welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of May 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Sean Higgins, and on today's show, I'll be sitting down with U.S. Ski and Snowboard Director of Competition Services, Jeff Weinman, to talk all about the new fist point changes that are going into effect for this coming season and how it affects you. Spoiler alert, your points are going to go up, but you shouldn't be too worried about that. We'll also be talking a little bit about how those changes are going to be trickling down to the national point system and a little bit about those infamous point bonanza races that seem to happen every season and how and why a few of those races every year get flagged by Jeff and his staff at the end of each year for point manipulation and they unfortunately need to be adjusted. I think you guys will really enjoy the conversation. Before we get on to today's show, I would like to take a little time to highlight some of the recent pieces published on SkiRacing.com. Our backshop contributor, Matt Schiller of the Park City Boot Room, is back with another tech article all about your boot setup. Specifically, the canting done to your boots throughout the season and why, for most people, less can actually be more. It's a great read and perfect timing as we are all gearing up for summer skiing and getting our setups dialed in before racing starts again in the fall. Bodie Miller, Andrew Weibrecht, and longtime U.S. Ski and Snowboard Head of Communications Tom Kelly were inducted into the U.S. Skiing Hall of Fame last month, and I was fortunate enough to sit down with them while they were in Utah and talked a little bit about their careers and their most memorable moments on skis. Tom was kind enough to share some pretty cool stories about Peekaboo Street and her rise to World Cup speed dominance in the 90s, which he credits as the real turning point for the Alpine program into what it is today. Definitely something worth checking out. Every girl deserves a female coach, and that is why former World Cup racer Keely Kelleher founded Keely's Camp for Girls with the mission to empower the next generation of female skiers. Keeley's camps have gone on to become one of the most successful operations up in Mount Hood since their first session nine years ago, and we have a really cool video about her programs up on the site right now. If you're looking for an all-female-powered summer program for yourself or your daughter, definitely check out Keeley's Camp for Girls. Our publisher here at Ski Racing Media, Claire Brown, wrote an amazing piece about the story of Leighton Shepard a promising U16 racer who was critically injured this spring but has made an amazing recovery since his unfortunate accident. Leighton's story is inspiring, not just with how he and his family have handled the situation, but how the greater ski racing community rallied around the 15-year-old during his darkest hours and helped him find the courage to pull through. You definitely don't want to miss that one. Lastly, I was fortunate enough to get an invite from the Brass Foundation to tag along on their annual Spring Avi One workshops last month with the American Institute for Avalanche Research and Education, or ARI for short. Uh, myself and about a dozen other athletes and staff from US Ski and Snowboard took an intensive three-day course that covered everything from proper backcountry gear, snow safety, analyzing weather reports, planning a trip to the backcountry, and search and rescue techniques when and if an unfortunate avalanche does happen. Ski racers don't always think about the risks associated with skiing an avalanche terrain, and after taking this class, I definitely recommend that all racers, regardless of where they are from, look into getting some avalanche education for themselves. It could save your or a friend's life. To check out all of these stories and much, much more, head on over to SkiRacing.com. Coming up after a quick break will be my interview with U.S. Ski and Snowboard's Jeff Weinman.
The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right, now we'll get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to the show. And now I'm sitting down with U.S. Ski and Snowboard Director of Competition Services, Mr. Jeff Wyman. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You bet, Sean. All right, so what do you do here at U.S. Ski and Snowboard as the Director of Competition Services, for those who don't know you? Yeah, so we have a couple different areas that we're over. The main piece that we do for all of the different sports is we oversee all the calendars, the results, and the ranking systems. Then also underneath me is the junior championship program across our sports where we have uh, 10 different competitions. And then I also oversee the Alpine Masters program. And what we're going to be talking about today are the new fist point changes that are going into effect for the coming season. They affect everyone from World Cup racers to people racing fists for the first time. Can you talk a little bit about how those changes came about and how many years in the making this process has been? Sure. So we've been looking at it. I don't remember how many years for sure. I'd say three anyhow. Um, and the idea, it came out of the Alpine men's uh, coaches working group at the World Cup. Um, they wanted to look at basically getting a better representation of points across the different levels of competition um, and to exp- kind of to spread out how f- compacted the points list has become at the top end. So that's kind of what started driving the thought process with that group. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I really noticed that the last few years, especially uh, men's slalom on the World Cup, for example, the difference between having a bib in the low 30s versus a bib in the 50s was maybe less than two points at, at a lot of World Cups. So this effort is to kind of further segment what what the tiers of, of skiers are at every level, yeah? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess you could also look at this as a, a, a way of almost protecting athletes who are racing World Cup and are, are clearly that caliber of a skier. But looking at a, a fist result sheet in the past, it's actually incredibly hard to score a fist result at a World Cup race. It's really hard, yeah, for sure. And it, it doesn't happen often. And to tell you the truth, with the new system, it's going to be a little bit harder for some of the guys. Um, you know, in the what has been the process, somebody who's in the top 30 on the World Cup gets... I don't want to really use the word fake, but they get adjusted points, right? So if you're in the top 30, you get adjusted from 0 to 4.99 points, and we're getting rid of that. Um, the effect of that is going to be somebody say, particularly when we've got some people like Hersher and Michaela who win by a lot, then instead of the second person getting, I don't know what the number actually is, but instead of getting 0.5 points, they're going to get what their actual fist result would be in their calculation. So that's going to make a bigger difference on some of those World Cup athletes. Mm -hmm. And I I think especially for athletes that are kind of right on that bubble of top 30 in the world before they get that special, uh, or in the past, they got that special point um, system where you have an athlete who maybe um, is racing World Cup all year and has scored twice on the World Cup and maybe scored, just throwing a number out, maybe a 13 and a 14, scoring a 20th place in two World Cups, that's not enough World Cup points to get inside of the top 30 in the World Cup start list. 
But if they end that season with just that 13 and the 14 and their points go to 12, that is a huge jump back in the standings, even though they have been scoring top 30 in the World Cup. Right. And, and it, it's, it's tough, right, because we want to give that a true meaning by being in the top 30. We also wanted to take it so that, you know, when that person who is, say, 28th on the World Cup and instead of their true points being someplace up in the teens, they're, you know, they're coming in at four, then they go to a national championship at home or go to a regional fist race at home. They're creating a penalty that's not really representative of what that penalty should be. Mm -hmm. So it's really taking the system and making it, hopefully, a little bit better representative of what the athletes are performing at compared to the top athlete and then what how they affect any lower level race they go into Mm -hmm. and and just for reference the old penalties the world cup well world cup is staying the same staying at zero continental cup used to be six national championship used to be eight nine was a regular fist race and 34 an enl fist competition and and for the coming season going forward world cup will remain at zero continental cup will change to 15 national championships to 20 fist races to 23 and enls to 60 Looking past the World Cup level and, and down the development rankings, what does that mean for the greater ski racing population in the world? So for what I've looked at so far, here in the U.S. anyway, most kids' points, say in tech races, they're going to go up by about 14. Um, when you look at the, what, what we've done and what FIS has been producing as preview base list, so if you go to the FIS website under points, you can see a current calculation of what people's points are going to be under the new system. So if you look at that right now, you'll see a difference of about 14. Um, and it's, it can be different in speed events. I saw a lot more variation in speed, but I think it's because so many kids only have one. They're, they're more likely to have only one than they are in tech where they've got a bunch. Um, but so it's, it's going to push everybody's points up. The thing that people need to think about, I think, is the world rank more so and I think we talked about this in the fall, was that, you know, your world, your world ranks are going to change too, but that should be a smaller change than what's happening with the points themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of piggybacking on that point, world, when, when racers go to the FIST website and, and look at their points, as, as many racers do throughout the season, the number they really should be focusing on is that world rank number, not the actual number of FIST points they have. I mean, I, I guess you can focus on either, right? Because I, I know that's a mental thing that you want to think about. Um, what On the FIS site this year, there was what result they scored under the old system, and then to the right of that, what the result is in the new system. Um, and then, of course, when you look at your rankings, you look at that preview base list, yeah, looking at not just your points, but looking at that world rank. Mm-hmm. And I think... Looking back to when I was racing, like it was like a big deal. Like, oh, I got into the 20s yeah, this year. Sure. Oh, awesome. But when you look at like team criteria for not only the national team, but a lot of NCAA institutions around the country, it's world rank. Yeah. They don't care what your fist points are. They care what your world rank is. Yeah, and a lot of that's not only your specific world rank overall, but also your your, your birth world rank as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So have there been kind of problems implementing any of these changes i know a lot of all the races were scored with the the old system the new system and i believe the base or the preview of the base list is out as of as of today on the fist website have there been any hiccups kind of shifting everyone over to this new system um only one big one we had we had intended uh and so i'm also the chairman of the fist 
uh, Alpine Classification Committee, right? So I over, oversee all the world Alpine races with this stuff. Um, and what we had intended was that the system was actually going to be 100% live this year. Um, and then I can't remember what nation objected to the fact that we were retroactively changing points. And the council agreed with that. And so we had to kind of start from scratch this year um, using the system, but not using all the data we'd been working on for the last few years. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the biggest hiccup that we've had. Um, my, the way that I thought that we were going to be working at, with it then after that Fisk Council decision was that we were still going to use throughout this season um, running a parallel points list that would create new penalties for each race aside from just raising them up from the different minimum penalties, mm -hmm. right? So um, I guess that was probably I would consider a hiccup too. And that was just a different of the interpretation by FISTAF compared to me based on the FIST Council decision. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think generally speaking, uh, just the process has been, been pretty straightforward throughout this season. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed at all kind of country by country numbers? Do American world rankings change more than an Austrian's world ranking? I haven't done any of that to look at it uh, nation by nation. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't say. Because I was, I was talking to a couple of the, the younger ski team guys here, and they were like, oh, my rankings got better. And I was like, oh, I was not expecting that. It's like really good for us. So I was, I was curious to see. Well, and some of that, you know, the, it's the funny thing with the way the base list works where um, the base list takes in different injury protections, right? So it takes that into effect. It takes in just purely your two best results, but it doesn't do anything with the World Cup start list then. Mm -hmm. So... Those athletes, uh, so, so because of some stuff like that, I think once list one comes out, you'll see some more shifting, right? So we'll have the final base list in June, list one right away after that, and there'll be some more shifting with that. And one of the things too that happens is, like when you hit list one, you know, I can't remember what the total number of FIS inscriptions is right now. Let's just say it's 10,000. Um, when FIS list one comes out, that number will probably be closer to say 5,000. So world ranks are totally kind of screwy at that point, mm -hmm. right? Because not everybody's re-registered for the year yet. Yeah, yeah. And I know you, you ran tons and tons of models um, all through last season and into the summer with these changes. And I think when we last talked about this, we kind of worked out that uh, any athlete who, say, um, scored two six-point results at the Continental Cup level but had never performed on the World Cup with this new system, instead of being ranked 31, they'd be roughly 40 to 45th in the world. Is that, do you think that's, that's about the same with the real implementation? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the national point system. And so you say that uh, the way national points, USSA points as they used to be called, yeah. uh, will be changing to mirror what the FIS lists look like a little, little more than they have in the past. Talk a little about that change. Yeah, so we, we do a couple things. Um, with the national points. One, we have minimum point levels for our competition. So the national non-FIS, uh, a normal race that meets criteria, the minimum penalty for that is 15. A uh, race that hits, typically it's one that has the, a vertical drop that doesn't meet minimums, then that'll have a minimum penalty of 30. Uh, with the new system going up, that 15 and 30 will go up as well. We haven't finalized those numbers. We have our Congress meetings next week where we will but I'm going to guess that that minimum of 15 will go up to somewhere 35 to 40, 
and the minimum 30 will go up probably to 60 mm -hmm. uh, to mirror the ENL level for FIS. So those will be going up too. Um, we also do our annual adders that we do every year. So we look at the top end of both the national point list and the FIS point list, and we create adders by discipline, by gender, to help bring those up. Because typically the national points will end up lower mm -hmm. uh, for a couple reasons. You know, we have we allow we allow negative penalties even in national point races, which can happen at NORAMs particularly. Um, and so we just have to bring all that stuff up to better align between national points and fist points. Mm -hmm. And that will all, the plan is anyways, to have that all in place for the first races of the year? Yeah, this, for sure. This, this fall? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll determine the new minimum point levels here during Congress next week. Um, the adders we don't do until after the fist list first list of the year comes out in the final base list um, I've been doing all the national point injury protection stuff but we can't we still have to wait till after Golden Rose before you know the last race of the season which is in, or in Mount Hood we have to wait until after that competition before I can really implement any of the national injury protection stuff mm -hmm. um, so we've for sure yes it'll all be done before the next season but it's a little ways off to get everything done all right. And talking a little bit more about uh, the national point ranking system, I remember when I started racing FIS, it came, became all about your FIS point profile and, and what those looked like. And kind of your, your national profile kind of fell by the wayside. What is the value of having a national point system? It's, you know, as we've looked at this, we have a lot of regional differences with the national points um, because we don't have that crossover at the you know, below the fist level across the nation. So we have some real pockets of national points within the regions. Um, but within the separate regions, they're good. You know, they, they make a difference in terms of your, obviously your seating at a competition. Uh, they make a big difference in what level of competition you can get selected to. So there are those regional differences that make it hard to really look at, oh, I'm the best whatever year of birth in the nation Maybe you are, maybe you aren't because of those regional pockets sometimes, mm -hmm. but it still gives you a good indication of how you're competing mm -hmm. against your peers. I, I would imagine that'd be particularly valuable for someone like Chip Knight, who's kind of overseeing the the development efforts from, from the junior, way junior levels, like U, U12 up, who have never raced fist races, but need a, a way to, to kind of quantify right. what each level is, is doing. Yeah, so when Chip's looking at that stuff and we're doing regional selections, you know, again, maybe the maybe there's not a great comparison straight across, but you can you can realize that you're picking the best junior within that particular region based on those rankings. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's talk a little bit about U.S. Ski and Snowboard Congress coming up next week. Yes. An exciting, for some people, exciting <laughs> week of uh, a lot of uh, uh, committee meetings and, and rule changes. Is there anything that the ski racing community should keep their eye on for next week? Uh, I think one of the big things that always comes out of Congress for the past, I don't remember how many years we've been doing it, five years anyway, I guess, where we've been looking at the metrics for competition within individual races and looking at races that are scoring statistically outside of the norm. Um, and with those competitions, we've been putting an adder on to the final result for the year. Um, we'll be doing that again. And I think one of the big things that we really need to stress with that process is we're looking at purely from a mathematical model. 
We're not looking at it and saying to an organizer or to an athlete or to an official, we're accusing you of doing something wrong. Just the reality is that particular race skied outside the norm, mm-hmm. right? So it's so far, like from the models that we're building, you know, it's it's a uh, 0.001% chance that a, that a race should score to that kind of level, right? And so what we do is we look at how many athletes are scoring in that particular race, what the percentage of the result is in that particular race, um, how the pace skied compared to their normal skiing, mm-hmm. and just saying, yeah, yeah just something's... Something didn't work out. You know, it might be that that particular athlete had a bad day. That pace athlete did that particular. You know, they were sick, whatever. Um, but the reality is, it's just outside the norm, and we want to keep the point system within that norm. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing because you know it gets emotional for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and we're trying to pull the emotion out and say it's just math mm-hmm. that's bringing this forward. Yeah. No such thing as a points bonanza. You got to earn those points, right. unfortunately. And. You know, I, I, you know, from when you were racing, when I was racing, I think there was, for the top athletes, when they come into these regional races, um, they're not skiing to 100% for sure, right? They're, they're there, and even if they're told by the, the technical delegate at the event, even if their coach tells them, hey, you're here to race, not just to do a giveaway, it's still, they're not skiing at 100%, yeah. right? And so we just need to, to work to limit that which helps to reduce those regional pockets of our points as well, right? By, mm-hmm. by saying this is what the true value of that competition is, or maybe more true anyway, because we're not bringing them down so far that into a 50% norm that's still a really good scoring opportunity. It's just not so far outside. So you're just trying to make it as, as fair as possible for everyone in the country, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us, talking the numbers that... Uh, everyone thinks about but no one quite understands uh thank you so much and we hope to have you on sometime soon you bet thanks john all right that is our show thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you in a couple weeks see ya